this evening, I want to I wanna preach a message entitled, Jesus on the Money. How many of you know that God is always on the money? He's on the money. He's on the money. And today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to go through a lot of scripture. And this scripture is going to help us. So if you have your Bibles, the book of Luke chapter 12. And when you get to chapter 12, say amen. And we're going to go to verse 15. And the Bible says these words in, in verse 15. And we're there. And if you're taking notes, you could write this note down. If you're watching online, we would love for you to let us know that you're, that you're, you're there. And you can give us um, comments there that you're watching. So book of Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. The Bible says this. It says, he said to them, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is not the, uh, in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable. A rich man, uh, rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there, then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. But God said to him, but God said to him, let's say, turn to your neighbor and say, say this. Say, but God said to him. But God said to him. Turn to your other neighbor and say, this is what God said. God said, you fool. You fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Let's go ahead and pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your goodness, Lord, and your mercy. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would lead this conversation, this message for your honor and your glory. We pray for the anointing and fire of your Holy Spirit to Minister to all of our lives and refresh us. We thank you for the worship here tonight. And most of all, we thank you for you being here and your strength. Your word says, God, we're two or three in the midst. You are there with us. And we thank you for your presence here tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way. That you would help us to be good stewards of our finances. Good stewards over everything you entrust to us. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would help us in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said... Amen. So right here, this man was a very wealthy man. And to give you a little context of what's taking place, a man came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, you know, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me and uh, tell him to give me my money. And how many of us know that money could be a very contentious issue? Money. Money can make people funny. Right? Money can make us argue. One of the most, you know, one of the most, it's not the top reason of marital conflict, but one of the most heated, prolonged conflicts is money. It's number five on the list for, for us that are married. But it's the most prolonged, it's the most, it's the most contentious issue is money. A lot of you thought it was sex. No, it's not sex. It's money. It's 
money. Show me the money, right? So Jesus right here in this text, he says these words to him. And he says, but who made me the judge between you guys? And then he says, a man's life, a woman's life does not consist to the, uh, you know, it does not depend on their abundance of possessions. How many of you are blessed by those words by Jesus? Because you're like, man, I don't have a lot. And f- you know what? If you have a lot and, you, and you're still serving the Lord, praise God for that. That's awesome. But for many of us, we don't have a lot of money. For many of us, we don't have a lot of possessions. But guess what? It's okay with Jesus. It's okay with Jesus. It's not that we have a badge of honor because we're, we're not as rich and we don't have a badge of honor because we're poor. The reality is that we're all men and women. Just God looks at us all the same. What he's looking at is he's looking for faithful stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. Stewardship. So what I want to say to you today is Jesus says to us and he says to those who are watching, it's not about how fancy of, of this that you have or how much money you have. It's Your life doesn't consist of that. But what your life consists of, my life consists of, is my relationship with God is the most valuable thing that I have in my life. My relationship with the Lord Jesus, that's what is the most valuable thing that I have inside of my life. It's not by what I drive. It's not by uh, where I live. It's not by how much money is in my IRA or how much money is in my 401K or how much money is in any of that. My life does not consist of the abundance of my possessions. My life consists of the abundance of his presence inside of my life. And I know for some of us, we don't like to hear this. We're like, I want money. I want more money. But today we're going to look at God's word and we're going to seize. There's some things that money can't buy that are so valuable. There's some things that money can buy that bring true value to our lives. Amen. Like one of them is respect. How many of us know you cannot buy respect from somebody? You cannot buy their respect. Respect is something that we can't buy. Money can never give us respect. What's another thing that's that's so valuable that money cannot buy? A family. That's another thing. Our family, our kids, you know, maybe your kids give you a little trial, but hey, at least we have kids. Hey, at least we have them. At least they're breathing. At least they're keeping us praying. Grandkids, praise the Lord. For you that have grandkids, hey, you got grandkids. Hey, you got grandkids. And for some of you, I just want to share this verse out of Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when they're old, they will will not depart. Maybe right now they departed. But you know what? They're going to come back. They're going to come back. Because you know what? You're praying for them. You know what? Moms who pray, they're they're like hitmen on the devil. You can be out there in the middle of Mexico. But if your mom's praying for you, your, your vacation's ruined. You thought you were going to have a good time with the devil, but your mom's praying. You see somebody from church there, you're like, what the heck? How did they get all the way over here? So there's family. Some of you are laughing, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Family is so valuable. What's another thing that money can't buy? A church. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about God's people. Money can never buy what we have tonight. It's a gift from God. What we have here in Whittier is a gift. There's something here that's a gift. I'm serious, church. I'm serious. It's a gift from God. 
and we honor him. We honor him because there's something supernatural here. We can't see it, but it's here. It's here. He's here with us. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not saying that he's not, no other, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it's something priceless. Priceless, okay. So the church is something no one can buy. Um, another thing no one can buy is morals. Morals, that's something you can't buy. You know, the way we are when nobody's looking, nobody could buy that for us. That's who we are. That's morals. Another thing that money can't buy is time. Money can never buy us time, right? But how many appreciate the time that we give it, God has given to us and we value it and we take care of the time that God has entrusted to our care because it's so valuable, right? Another thing, the last thing I want to talk about tonight that money can't buy is integrity. Money cannot buy integrity. Integrity is who you are when nobody's looking. Money cannot buy that. The most valuable things in life, money can't buy. Money cannot buy the most valuable things in life. So now we're going to go to the book of Luke again, chapter 16. And we're going to look at this steward here. And uh, while we go to verse 9, Luke 16, verse 9, he says, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of worldly wealth. So that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwelling. Whoever is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful in worldly wealth, who will trust you with what's genuine? And if you are not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and mammon. So that's what some of your Bibles might say. Now mammon uh, is a word that was used in this text, and it's synonymous with greed. Synonymous with greed where you're, you're, you're uh, in a place, and let me just clarify the premise really quick. The premise is this, is that you and I in Christianity, we're stewards over what God has entrusted to our care. I'm going to give you that premise, okay. In Christianity, in, uh, in, in believing in the Lord, we look throughout the words of Jesus and we see that we're stewards to what has been entrusted to our care. And tonight there's many things that have been entrusted to us. But tonight we're going to focus on money. Focus on money. And the reason why I want to focus on money is because as I was praying, I was thinking this last week. I said, Lord, uh, where are we going to go? What do you want to do? And I have, money just kept on coming to mind. Money just kept on coming to mind. And what I don't want for our church is for us to get into debt. I don't want us to get into debt, credit card debt, especially you young adults. You're in a place where there's many credit card companies that are sending you offers and you're, you're, there's all kinds of things that are coming your way. And what, what could happen and, uh, is that you can get enslaved to debt and what will happen is you'll become hope, you'll lose a lot of hope. 
you'll lose a lot of joy, you'll lose a lot of sleep because you're thinking always about your bills and you can't practice generosity like God wants you to practice generosity. You can't walk in that freedom and that liberality to help the poor, to be faithful over your finances as a steward because the reality is this, is that the enemy wants to entrap you to credit card debt and entrap you to all kinds of debt. And maybe you're here today and you're looking at your debt and you're just hopeless. Let me say God is a God of supernatural miracles. God is a God who will take that debt and he'll do a miracle over, over you. And, and let me say, the answer is not having no more money. I want to say that. A lot of us, we think the answer is having more money. No, that's not the answer. What's the answer is having discipline. Spiritual discipline in your life. Because if you have more money, what do the rappers say? More problems. More money, if you still have a bad habit, you're still going to spend that money the same way. See, it's about being a steward. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about being a steward. It's about being a steward. And Jesus says in this text, who can entrust, you know, kingdom wealth to someone who can't even handle worldly wealth. So what I want to say to us today is this, is the premise is everything that we have is not our own. It's not my money. No, it's not my money. This is not my time. No, it's not your time. You're on God's dime. I'm on God's dime. I've been entrusted with what I have for a season and a reason. And what I do with what he's entrusted to me is going to be looked upon by him. And today, if you're here today and you say, you know what, um, I'm in a bad place financially. I'm, it just doesn't look good. Let me say, God, he wants to help you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to help you tonight. God's going to help you. Amen. So this text right here, Jesus is talking about worldly wealth. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. I've had many people leave the Lord, uh, leave the Lord's house because of a job, leave the Lord's house because of uh, uh, an opportunity and said, oh, you know what, I... I I'm going to do this business. And all of a sudden they say, but I'm going to give back to God. And what do they do? They end up just leaving God. They end up just leaving God. And what happens is, is uh, they're faced with that opportunity to continue to serve God. Or they're faced with the opportunity, hey, man, I, got a, I can make a lot of money. So let me ask you this. Would you, what's the price tag for you to leave God? How much money does the devil have to give you to leave God? We're about to get real right now. Wow. I could feel it, but you know what? It's okay, Lord, help me right now. Um, if someone came to you and said, I'll give you a million dollars, but you can't be used by God no more, would you, would you, would you sign, the line, sign the dotted line for that? Would you be like, would you say, oh, man, that sounds pretty good. Oh, I'll pay my tithes. Stop lying. <laughs> See, the reality is this. If you're not faithful over the small, you'll never be faithful over the big. If you're not faithful over that $10, I'll 
oh, it's only $1, Lord. If you're not faithful with that, if I'm not faithful with that $1, I won't be faithful over the $100. So I'm going to talk about today is, I'm talking about stewardship. And I know that if everyone in our church was tithing, we would get that church in really quick amount of time. It would happen very fast. Extremely fast. And I know this too is that the money that God has given me is not my own. It belongs to the Lord. So I'm going to pull out the money I have in my pocket. All right. How much do I have? Okay, I have $3. All right. Does anybody have, I need seven more dollars for illustration. Does anyone have any cash on them? I need dollars though. You have dollars? Oh, five. Okay. All right. Okay, dollars? Oh, right. Oh, thank you. All right. So I have, wh what is this? Looks like we're doing a drug deal right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping there's $10 right there. Uh, we're going to give an illustration today. All right. So we have how many love Jesus today? You love the Lord? We love the Lord. Okay, so I just need, you can take one away. Okay, so you, okay, I have 10 now? Okay, so I have $10 right here. This has been entrusted to me by Sister Alma right now. So I have $10. Um, I'm a rich pastor right now. <laughs> but um, I have this $10. And God says in his word in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, it's a verse that many people don't like to cite from the Old Testament. They go, we don't believe in the Old Testament when that verse comes up. But like Jeremiah 29, 11, they're like, oh, I'm quoting that one all day. Psalms 37, 4 through 5, oh, I'm quoting that one all day. Oh, Malachi, oh, you know what? Oh. But Malachi in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, the Bible says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. What the first fruits represents to me is the principle of tithing that God's entrusted to me to tithe. So what I do is I get that $1 and I give it back to the person who has entrusted it to me. So Sister Alma, to you, I give it back to you. And then I live off of the rest, right? I live off the rest. So I practice tithing. I practice it as, as a steward and I practice it as, as a man of God. What has happened to me these last... 25, 6 years since I was tithing, since I was 16 years old. God has always supplied my needs. I'm not saying that I'm rich. But God has always supplied what I needed. What I needed. He's provided clothing for my kids. He's provided food. Supernaturally provided food. He's provided, um, he's provided housing. He's provided transportation. He's provided everything I need. I remember one year going to conference. I didn't know how I was going to go to that conference. And I remember paying my tithes. And then all of a sudden, a week before conference, I got a check in the mail. 
And I was so blessed because I was like, I'm going to conference in APU. I'm so blessed. And I was right there at the conference. I was telling the kids at McDonald's, get whatever you want. Get whatever you want. Which number do you want? Which number? Do you want a milkshake? Do you want a McFlurry? Get a McFlurry. If I didn't get that check in the mail, I'd been like, you guys are getting the 99-cent hamburger and cups of water. <laughs> Hello? Have we been there? The struggle is real in the Casa's house. And I feel like some of you are relating with me. But what did God do? Right when I needed it, a check came in the mail. The check came in the mail right when I needed it. And did I see it coming? No. But I honor God with the tithe. So when I honor God with the tithe, what he's done for me, and I know this is something that many people get heated and debated about. But what he's done for me is he's blessed my life. He's provided what I've needed. And I've always, I've always noticed, man, God, you've never let me down. Even though it looked like it, I was, it was going to be a letdown, right before the letdown was going to come, God supplies. God supplies exactly what I need. Okay, so that's through the tithe. Now, it's something that... Uh, I believe it's also an investment into heaven. So how many of you have a job and they take out some money for your retirement package? They just automatically take it out. They're like, that money just comes straight out and you're excited about it because, you know, someday you're going to get that annuity or that 401k. See, but Eric was talking about storing for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So I see the tithe as that too. That I'm putting away my inheritance for when I get to heaven. That's the way I see it too. See, because let me say this. A lot of people don't give, whether they give their tithe, a lot of people don't give because they're like, oh, 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 what are they going to do with the money? Oh, what are they going to do with the money? I get it. I totally get it. But can I say something that's going to help, help me? I'm not giving my money to a man or a church. My heart is giving it to God. See, I'm judged by how I give in my heart to the Lord. Not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loveth a cheerful. And he who giveth much seed aboundeth much seed. This is the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that I'm talking about. There's an abundance, an overflow when there's a liberality to give and not being gold or being very tight. Like, you know, I'm going to give 26 dollars and two cents, that's my tithe. You know, I believe we should be liberal. I believe we should be liberal. And let me say this, every dollar I've given to church all my life, I don't know the amount it's been, me and my wife have uh, been um, uh, contributors and I see us as philanthropists as well because this is to a need, I believe. As I also see us as investors into the kingdom. I, that's what I see. I look at giving in, in that spectrum. But one of the things I say is like when I go to like, you know, when I go to Smart and Final, they say, would you like to donate the last 37 cents? I said, no, I donated like you know, over a hundred and something dollars this last Sunday. Right? It's like, tell that rich millionaire to give the owner of Smart and Final or Taco Bell. See, we, we, we're giving at a different level, church. I, I'm being honest. We're giving at a totally different level. So my point is this, no one can steal what I've given to God. No one. It's been entrusted to the Lord, not entrusted to a, a, a person. It's been entrusted to Jesus. 
Never entrusted to a person. So when I get to heaven, and I know some of us were like, man, you know, what, what do people, you know. When you give it to God, it's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. And when it's in God's hands, no one can steal that from you. No one can steal that from you. It's in heaven. My reward's in heaven. It's not here. It's really not here. My reward is in heaven. But some of you, you've been, you've been, you've been like just fighting that man, oh man, 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 man. You know what? Your reward's in heaven, bro. Your reward's in heaven. Sister, it's in heaven, and you're good. Why? Because no one could ever snatch that up. There's no Bernie Madoff up there. There's no, uh, you know, other person up there. And I just want to bless you, Sister Alma, because you entrusted me. There you go. There you go. You got $10 now. All right. I feel blessed now. I want to go give. So my whole point is this, is that debt will rob us from being generous to the poor and helping out those in need. Tithing today is something that funds the kingdom of God. We're able to be here tonight because of tithers. We're able to support Mexico because of tithers. Oh, my gosh, the missions have, like, doubled this year for Mexico. So blessed. I can't wait to our annual report. I can't wait to our annual report uh, at the end of this year with, with the team, with our team huddle. We're giving 250 to the Philippine Islands every single, uh, the Philippines every single month. We're giving $500 to Africa and we're giving $500 to Guadalajara, Mexico every single month. We've doubled our missions, doubled it. $1,250 every single month. We made a $15,000 pledge for the West Coast Church for this year. Now we're paying half of the rent. Last year we paid the full amount of the rent so they could get off their feet. Off their feet. We're sewing into that church plant over there in, in uh, West Covina. We don't have a lot. We, we, that's, that's God. And any church that gets sanded out of our church, we're going to be a blessing to them. We're going to be a blessing to them. How does it happen? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle from the tithe and the offering. Eric was saying about the building fund, the Lord willing, that money is growing because of the tithe and the offering. The tithe and the offering. That's what keeps it funded. So what do you do tonight? The second point that I want to talk about is not only the tithe, but we're going to go to the next one now. So we... First, give back to God. The second one is trust that God is my source and supply. That means that our jobs are not our source and supply. God is ultimately our provider. He's going to provide for you with or without your job. He's going to meet every single need. I remember years ago, lost my job, and God just provided and provided. Didn't lose a beat. God's going to do the same thing for you. The next thing we're going to go to, not only is God our source and supplier, but don't, uh, uh, I'm sorry, do your work as an act of worship. That means that wherever you're working at, that you're working as unto the Lord at the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Working as unto the Lord with all your heart. Not, not unto man. That means you're working, you're diligently out there. You're, you're, you're doing your work as unto the Lord and not unto man. And God's able to bless your life. Amen. So even when we're ministering, we're doing it as unto the Lord, not unto 
man. Now we're going to go to the next one. Is this, is keep good records. That means that you, uh, you keep records of the bills that you pay, whether it's through online, through a note, that you're constantly watching what you're, what you're paying. And you're able to uh, put money aside to help people, to take people out and just treat them for, for lunch or for, or for breakfast and just go out there. Maybe you see somebody in need and you're able to give them a Holy Ghost handshake. How many ever got a Holy Ghost handshake before? You're just like, oh my gosh, wow, $100, oh my gosh, wow, thank you Jesus. I was going to, I was going to Mexico and I was on the plane, I got a Holy Ghost handshake from a sister uh, that doesn't even come to this church. I was so encouraged. I was like, man, I'm able to buy some more tacos now. I'm so blessed. God provided for me. Yes, God provided for me. I was able to get some ice cream over there in Mexico because of that Holy Ghost handshake. And now there's or technology. How many of you know God is a God that's always cutting edge technology? There's Holy Ghost cash apps now. Some of you got a Holy Ghost Zelle. In the mail, right? I'm sorry, on your phone, you're like, whoa, the Lord is moving. The Lord has provided. I see people posting their cash apps on their birthday now. That's so cool. So awesome. And uh, you're keeping good records of everything that's coming in. You're making those budgets and you're watching what you're doing. The next one is this. Is that you're saving to invest for the future. Uh, you're saving, you're putting money aside. They say a good thing to put aside is 10% of what you get. Put it aside for investment to the future. All right, that's so awesome. And I believe that we can do that as a church. Number six is this, is that you budget your spending, you're watching what you're doing, whether, maybe you can make some cutbacks. Maybe you're like, hey, I don't need this HBO Max, right? Hey, I don't need this subscription to Spotify. I'll listen to the ads, you know. I don't need this. I don't need that. You know, you could have literally about $100, $200 in your pocket if you just let go of a lot of those subscriptions that you really don't even use. I'm talking about stewardship tonight. I'm talking about stewardship tonight. Getting that money and funneling it into, you know, other opportunities, whether it's missions or helping the poor, is something that God will truly, truly bless. And if you're here tonight you're looking at your bills and you're going, oh, my gosh, this is so discouraging. You know, I want to encourage you to uh, listen to uh, Dave Ramsey's. He's pretty cool, really good. What he talks about, especially with the tithe, is something that's really awesome in helping the poor. It's something that we always got to consider and always got to do inside of our lives. See, generosity changes our life. Generosity literally changes our life. How many of you have been blessed by someone else's generosity? You've been blessed by their generosity. Like maybe you were young and you were struggling. What do they do? They paid your car note that one month. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And you're so blessed. Or maybe somebody did something for you and you're blessed by their generosity. See, generosity is something that is part of the kingdom DNA. See, I know that I'm talking about the tithe. And I'm talking about being generous. I, I, I want to tell you that's awesome. But at the same time, we can't limit it to that all alone as believers. We have to practice and walk in generosity that when we're, we're with, with people, that sometimes the Lord will say, hey, I want you to give him $100. You're like, lying devil, that's the devil. devil wants me to give him $100. The devil wants me to give him $100. The devil will never tie you to give money to another believer. The devil will tie you to give it to, you know, places where we shouldn't give money to. He'll say, hey, spend your money here. 
spend your money here, spend your money here. And he wants us to waste. See, the devil, when you study the word prodigal in the Bible, what a prodigal means is somebody who wastes things. Wastes things that have been entrusted to them. Wastes things that have been entrusted to them. See, God doesn't want us to waste. See, we know Jesus, when he fed the 5,000 and there was leftovers there, what did Jesus say? He said, gather them up so they won't be wasted. Jesus doesn't waste leftovers. He values what's been entrusted to him by the Father. You and I as believers, we cannot waste what has been entrusted to us. That means that someone, God tells you, hey, I want you to give that person a $500 check. Hey, I want you to bless them with, with, with uh, the car. Hey, I want you to bless them with this. I want you to bless them with that. That you and I are liberal to do that. And what does God do to us? God will never allow us to outgive him. In Proverbs, the Bible even says that when you give to the poor, you're actually lending to the Lord. And that he repays you. See, every time I give, let me, let me, let me, let me premise, um, Pastor George. Okay, Pastor George. Pastor George, every time that Pastor George has, Pastor George has given to someone else, what happened is this, church, is he's given to someone else. And what God does is God sees what he's given and God blesses Pastor George, supernaturally blesses Pastor George. And so if Pastor George gave someone something and they said, oh, Pastor George, ah, you know what, uh, you know what, Pastor George, you know, let me do this for you then. Let, 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 me, let me give you something back. All of a sudden, Pastor George has lost his blessing. It's been, it's been interrupted because he received something in return. See, every time we give freely, God gives freely. Every time we give freely, God gives freely. And that's why we do things not to get anything, right? Now I'm going to go somewhere even more. You guys ready for this one? You guys ready for this one? All right, I hope so. Here we go. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? All right, we're ready. I think I'm ready. Listo para Cristo. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. How many of us have a hard time receiving? When someone blesses us, our pride comes up. And not, in a, and not that we're trying to be prideful, but we have a hard time receiving blessings from others. And we try to pay them back and pay them back. No, no, no. When someone blesses you, don't rob them of what God's using them to do. Because you know what God's going to do for them? He's going to bless them, bless them, bless them. When some, oh, this is a revelation for some of you. You're so used to giving, you're not used to getting. And God says you're about to go to a season where you're about to receive increase. But just receive it by faith. Receive it in, by, in thanksgiving. Receive it like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're good. You know, let me tell you this. I lost my job about two years ago. I lost my job, right, and I, was, I went, uh, my brother-in-law came from Madeira. He came and he said, hey, I want to take you to the store. And he took me to the store, Food for Less, over there in, on Carmenita, and I'm there, and he's buying me all kinds of food. He says, hey, do you want this? Get that. Hey, do you want, yeah, you want this? You want this? And then all of a sudden I had one cart, and then I had to get another cart. 
double blessings. Dripping with favor, tell you about that. Wow. Don't get jealous. You got the blessings all over you. And I'm walking with two carts right in the store. I start crying like a little baby. Like, oh, my gosh. I'm crying right there. I'm crying right there. I said, God, you're going to provide for me. Even if I don't have a job, you're going to provide for me. But if I had a job, I would have one cart. But now I'm in a place of trusting you. I have two carts. And I said to myself, I'm crying right there. I said, God. But, you know, it was so uncomfortable for me to receive. But God's like, you need to learn how to receive. Because there's going to be seasons in our life where you and I are at the place where we're blessing. And then there's going to be seasons in our life where you and I are in the receptor of you, us receiving. But in every season, he's still faithful. In every season, he's still Jehovah Jireh. In every season, he's still the provider. And our job as believers, as Christians, is to walk. We're kingdom. We're in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there is no lack. In the kingdom, there is no lack. In the kingdom, God is going to provide for his children over and over and over again. In the kingdom, he's not giving us a spirit of fear. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. Why? Because he is going to provide for us. There's no, there's no reason for us to fear. The only one we're to fear is God. Timothy. Timothy, Paul says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Timothy, chapter 4, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. This is scripture. Uh, this is not prosperity gospel. I'm not saying you're going to, you know, blab it and grab it. I'm saying God's going to provide for you. That's what I'm saying. He's going to provide for you. He's going to meet every single need inside of your life. And you have no reason to fear. No reason to fear. None whatsoever. One thing I know about God. I can tell you this about God. He's never failed me. He's never has. He's corrected me. He's rebuked me. He's loved me. He's done all these amazing things. But one thing God can never do for you is he can never fail you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God will never fail you. Oh, that's so awesome, man. God is so good. We're going to go to the next one. Okay, budget your spending. The next one is this. Is Number seven is enjoy what you have. As the worship team makes your way up here tonight, how many of us know we can enjoy what we have? God has not uh, given us a spirit of, you know, covetousness, our having like an emptiness in us because of what we don't have because right now we are blessed by him. We're blessed. And he has provided everything that we need, everything that we need. And the Bible says to you and I in Philippians chapter 4, It says this word to us in verse 12 and 14. The Bible says, I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. You know, I remember in Porterville, 
in our, me and my wife in our little apartment with our kids. Just a little, just a little, just a little. But God was there. God was there. Visalia. God was there. Every place that we went, God has always provided. He says, I know how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. He says, in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. For I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says, I know the secret. I know the secret, what it is to be content. You know what I know, you know what I believe that secret is? I believe it's wrapped up into three things. One of the things is this, is that you and I, we share to God our requests and our needs. That's what it says in this chapter, chapter 4 and verse 4 says, to let God know your requests. Let him know your needs. Let him know what, what you're facing. But then it says to wrap that in, this is the second thing, is thanksgiving. That we're thankful for what God has blessed us with right now. And we're thankful that his presence is with us. And we're thankful that he is, that he is God. He is God. Amen. That he is God and that he is with us. The next thing that I believe is so critical for us is that you and I know this, and I spoke on it earlier, is we know this without a shadow of a doubt. I'm going to declare this over you today. God is going to meet every one of your needs. Every one. Without a doubt, I do not doubt, I do not. I speak here boldly and confidently. Why? Because I've seen him do that in my life over and over again. I remember when I moved out of my dad's house, I was scared. I was scared. I was really scared. And I remember walking in my dad's uh, dining room, crying out to God one night, crying out to him, and crying, saying, God, I don't, I don't have no money. I get paid $9 an hour. I need, I'm about to have a wife. I'm about to get my first studio apartment. I just got a car. I need some money, God. I need your help. And I remember, I remember in that in that place I remember his spirit speaking to my heart and I just remember just sweeping my heart and I felt him say to my spirit I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna provide for you every single step of the way wow I was 19 years old when that happened I'm gonna be 40 next month and throughout all those years he has always provided and provided and provided and provided and provided and provided. Like the psalmist says, I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I've never seen it. God has always provided my need and your need. But I've not just seen it in my life. I've seen it in the life of this church this last year and a half. I've seen God take us from a parking lot to a patio to, to a building and then right when they're about to tear down that building, God provided this building. And I'm confident that God is never, ever, 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 ever going to let our church down. I know without a shadow of a doubt. This morning, this afternoon, I was, I was spending some time with the Lord, just laying out some things to the Lord, airing out some things to the Lord. And I felt just, he, like, he said, when have I ever let you down? Can you tell me? Can you bring that to my recollection? When have I ever let you down? 
and I'm thinking about that. I've been through some things like you, and some of you are going through some things right now. But you know, the good news is he's with us in the storm. He's with us in the storm, and he's never going to let us down. For some of us tonight, he's carrying you in the storm right now. He's carrying you, and he's going to see you through. He's carrying you in the shelter of his wings. Why? Because he is a shepherd, and we are the sheep. And he is the good shepherd that you and I serve today. That's the God that you and I serve. That's the God that you and I serve. And I know without a shadow of a doubt tonight, God is going to provide and provide and guide and provide and guide and provide and guide. All our life, all the way to the very end, when we breathe our last breath and we stand before him forever and